0: Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies Podcast, I'm your host Michael Martin and I am joined today by a very special guest, Alex Spears, who helps with the Athletic Saturday Morning Slam and Jam and Down to Dunk. Alex, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great, thank you for having me on.
0: Glad to have you back on, it was fun last time, but um, I was listening to Down to Dunk last week and I texted you this because it was like you had a really good point that I wanted to expand upon, that each and every one of these guys at the end of the roster, that being Trey Trey Mann. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Usman Garuba, Ty Ty Washington, Victor Oladipo, and Jack White. All have a selling point to stay on this team. And it feels like in the Thunder community, not in a malicious way, has more talked about these guys in a negative way, just in terms of what they don't bring to the team and why they shouldn't be here. And I thought we would flip it on its head and talk about the reasons they should stay around, maybe.
1: Yeah, and, and honestly, I would throw Bertans in there as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we're we're kind of assuming... Uh, that they're going to keep him. And, and I do think it makes some sense because I don't know how it works when you waive a guy. I mean, they would have to buy him out. I don't know if you could like, if he would do it just for that 5 million next year, you know, cause he has that like partial guarantee. Um, so, so maybe, maybe people are right that they're just automatically going to keep him. But I don't know. It wouldn't shock me if they found some way around that. Um, cause I, cause I do like s- several of these guys at the end of the roster.
0: Me too. And it's more than Bertans. More than Bertans. Yeah. That yeah. Davis Bertans, it's like the Mike Muscala memorial spot on the roster, but without some of the good culture stuff.
1: Yeah. Like not as interesting in that way. I mean, Moose was very fun to root for. I don't get that vibe from Bertans, uh, but who knows? You know, I'm sure Andrew will get to meet him at uh, media day and maybe he'll be a delight.
0: Moose is the only guy who I've seen in there with um, one earring in in the press conference room. <laughs> Which you j- have? Have you seen his rap video before we get into this?
1: Uh, I have. Yeah, that was when It was with the Hawks, right? Yes, uh, Mike yeah.
0: Jaws. <laughs> we I need have, we need him and Trey man in the booth.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a very weird like pattern of white Hawks uh, recording rap because Kevin Herter did that mm-hmm. too. He had a, he had a rap song as well. So there's kind of a there's a, there's a lineage there. With the Hawks.
0: Just when you get in Atlanta, just what happens. But um, I mentioned Trey Mann, another guy who raps on the side. What are some selling points in your mind for Trey to stay on the team here?
1: I mean, I think the biggest one is the initial investment and the fact that he has been around the team uh, this long. Like they, they should know more about Trey Mann than a lot of these other guys we're going to talk about. And so if they do end up keeping him, it obviously would make perfect sense to all of us because, well, they're around him every single day. And if they're keeping him, they must still see a lot of upside with him, even with all of the guard specific roster crunch issues um, that would kind of impede his progress this year, unless there's some (laughs) not just one injury, unless there's like multiple injuries. For him to like actually have a, a regular role in the rotation night tonight, um, you know I think Summer League was a great example of the upside. It was it was a good reminder um, because we we saw a lot of that upside his rookie season, especially towards the end of the season. I remember that I think it was a thirty point game in Boston. Um, so he's had those moments. We've seen that upside last year. Just kind of like threw all that out the window. One, because he just wasn't getting a ton of minutes. But when he was in there, he just wasn't particularly effective and just didn't look like the guy we saw his rookie season. So I don't know. It, it would not surprise me at all. I just – I don't want I, – I found myself after Summer League feeling the way a lot of other Thunder fans did, which is like, oh, well, now you got to keep Trey. But then like a few weeks pass, and it's like, am I really going to base that decision on like a couple Summer League games? Like I I really have to look at this holistically and when I do I still don't know if he would be one of the first of this group that I would want to keep. Yeah, if it's makes
0: sense. it's it does. It's really interesting decisions. I'm I'm with you on Trey and the fact that he's shown the most flashes with the thunder of anybody in this group. And I I almost wonder if he's being punished because in a way because he was good at times whereas some guys like Killian Hayes no flashes ever. But at least with Trey, there have been some high spots, but it's almost more frustrating that we see the highs and lows.
1: Yeah, it is. And the further we get into this rebuild, the less runway you realize there is. And and I feel like every Thunder fan is kind of coming to that realization. Like as much as we would like to see Trey continue to develop, the minutes just aren't there anymore. And so is he, even if we like him, even if we would want him to have that, opportunity. Is it really going to happen in Oklahoma city when you actually start mapping it out, uh, without significant injuries? And I, I just don't know if it is. Um, so I'll totally understand it if they keep them, um, for all the reasons that we've talked about, but I don't think it would shock me as much as it might some other thunder fans. Like, I think if they, if they did either trade trade man, or, or if they even waived him, like, I think that would be like a big day on thunder Twitter. And there would be a lot of people who would be very upset. Um, I I'm almost expecting that at this point which I don't think a lot of Thunder fans are and maybe I'll be wrong but I just think a few of these other guys offer a little bit more upside in areas of need
0: yeah and they're just younger and then cheaper in a way where you don't have to make a decision as soon as you will with Trey at least and I know that you're a Philly guy with the Eagles and stuff but with the process you and Andrew have talked about it before about with the Thunder, it's going to be the same way. There are going to be guys that get away. Trey Mann could be that guy who gets away and ends up being good on another team or solid on another team, but I, I don't see, like you mentioned, there's not a lot of room for him to grow on this current roster.
1: Yeah, I mean, he would have to really come into training camp, camp and just, like, blow everyone away. Like, he would have to be the guy that we saw in Summer League. But, see, the thing about the Summer League was he was really allowed to be the man. Yeah. And we know that's not going to be his role. Like, even coming off the bench, that's not really going to be his role. I mean, he'll get opportunities, obviously. But at, in Summer League, it kind of felt like, oh, this is what it would look like if Trey was kind of like the primary ball handler scorer for a team. And it looked really cool. Like, he obviously did a lot of amazing stuff during in Summer League. Um, but I don't know. Like, he would have to come into training camp and excel in a complementary role just, like, right out of the gate for things to drastically change at least that's that's the way it feels right now i mean i mentioned this to andrew like what if they do bring back lindy waters on a two-way they've already shown that they trust lindy more than trey they played lindy a ton of minutes last year um so like is that going to change i mean i'm just talking about lindy waters like f- yeah. forget about like him beating out isaiah joe or Mitchich or like any of these other guards that you would have to beat out to get a significant nightly uh rotation um so yeah i i don't know i i for trey's sake i kind of think his best bet would be to f- be finding another opportunity um, because i do think he needs a larger opportunity than he's going to get here
0: i agree with you and the fact is like you mentioned he was more um productive as the man no pun intended in summer league when he was handling the ball and doing all those things and you mentioned on down-to-dunk before, if you were his agent, you'd try to get him out of there. I agree. I'd like to see him somewhere else, and you just kind of move up the guys in the pecking order, because almost regardless, I do not he's not going to play more than Shea. He's not going to have ball-handling reps like that. J-Dub, Giddy, Meechich they just brought in, who I would assume is going to be better than him. Joe's a better shooter, and then Kaysen's a better defender. So he would just yeah. have to absolutely shoot the lights out for him to stay I think, and not just stay, but get actual minutes. Um, his his year one to year two, his per 36, which isn't perfect, is pretty similar, actually. Um, he's only averaging like 0.8 points uh, less per game. The exact same on steals and blocks. Um, half an assist more. Same rebounds. Uh, he shot 3% worse from the line. The exact same from the field, despite raising his two-point percentage by 5%. But it's really just about the three for him.
1: Yeah, yeah that was uh that was definitely where we saw like the biggest change and, and you saw it, it wasn't just the attempts um it was like the non-attempts it was it was the times when he would catch the ball and you wanted him to shoot and he would hesitate and then it would you know kind of fizzle out um those were the plays in year two that got you just a little bit more concerned about like man what happened like wh- where 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 is that energy from that rookie season um, where he did have those moments where he looked really confident on the court, um, like he did in summer league. But again, a lot of those moments, I mean, I think back to his rookie season, like t- thinking about that Boston game, I mean, those, again, were a lot of opportunities where he had the ball in his hands and was kind of allowed to have that freedom. Um, And even looking around the league, like, you know, what could be some options where he would realistically – Get that freedom. I mean, I, I like the idea of him going to the Bucks just because they don't have any young guys, and they could probably use like some extra guards to develop. But on the other hand, like, is he really going to get minutes <laughs> on the Milwaukee Bucks? Um, so it is. It is tough. I mean, Washington uh, is interesting just because of the OKC connection. Um, they do have Jordan Poole though, and so, but but maybe he could he could get opportunities coming off the bench there. Uh, it does feel like he needs that type of a setting. Uh, you know, Andrew brought up Charlotte, which like, yeah, theoretically, because they're bad, but they have so many young bad guards that they are trying to develop. So it's tough. And so I, again, I will completely understand if they keep them. Um, But I'm not going to be surprised if they decide to go with one of these other guys.
0: And then the last thing on Trey, you mentioned his confidence, like you can just see it just even him watching him at practice it reminds me of watching a little kid that gets dropped off from uh, to school and you can see them walking with their backpack and they look like they're doing like the Charlie Brown walk where they look like defeated already before they even get to school it's like Trey already in a lot of ways like mentally kind of made up his mind how this thing was going to go cuz he was just kind of checked out of some things but when he's confident he can shoot with about anybody else on the floor
1: yeah totally and and you kind of see it in some of the social media (laughs) comments that trey's made that clearly he's been listening to to some of the things that have been said about him like over this past year um and i i I mean obviously that like that would suck to read when when you're like just trying to do your best and like doing your job um but the fact that he responded to those after summer league did make me feel like man that, that must have really affected him during the season that um he's now responding to them Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously we all hope the best for Trey because we see the talent. Um, and we, you, you, um, you can see the ceiling with him a lot easier than some of these other guys. Like it does make sense when he puts those games all together. You're like, oh my gosh, like, yes, there, there are guys around the league, um, that are in this kind of like combo guard role, whether it's like Anthony Simons or like Tyler Hero, or even someone like Jordan Poole. Like you could imagine, there's flashes where you could imagine Trey getting to that type of a level, um, but but it still feels like he's really far away from that. But to be fair, it took a couple of those guys. I mean, it took Jordan Poole a while, Um, and it took Anthony Simons for other reasons because he was behind CJ. But it took those guys a while to finally develop into their full full form. Which you know, for Anthony Simons, I think it was really like his like 24 year old season. Um, So Trey's only still 22. So I, I still think there's. He's be a worthy gamble for a team who has minutes for him, but you really have to give him that opportunity to develop.
0: Exactly. Like those
1: two guys you mentioned,
0: Jordan Poole, his chance was whenever the Warriors were tanking, they had that bad year where they had like the plagues of Egypt on him after Clay Torres ACL and then maybe his Achilles after that. And then Steph was hurt for a while. And then the same with the Blazers yeah. where they trade CJ and free up the runway um, for uh, those guys over there and Anthony Simons. But, Let's move on to JRE, another guy from Trey's draft class. What are your initial thoughts on him, on his, the, some of the selling points for him? Uh, I'll be honest. The,
1: the more I've, like, not researched, but more I've just thought about the guys that that we're talking about, I've found it harder and harder to come up with a good case for JRE. Um, you know, part of the case would be similar with Trey. Like, they've... They made an investment in him. They know him better than anyone, like you know, like Ty Ty or Garuba or Jack White. Like they know JRE. Um, Clearly, it seems from the outside that he's been like a very good part of this team. You know, like he's fit in real well culturally with the team. Same with Trey. Um, So there's no like obvious reason to move on from him in that respect. Um, But on the court, I just find it's it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what you are super confident in when it comes to his game. Um, I mean, every time I think about JRE now, I think about his rookie season and some of the defensive flashes that he showed. Um, But man, that was, you know, two years ago. Uh, I was looking back through his game logs and it seems like he always gets off to a good start. Um, I, I totally forgot like last season, beginning of the season, like he was shooting the ball really well from three. Um, he's now had two fairly significant injuries in back-to-back seasons, which is obviously not his fault, but that's probably influencing my perspective on him. If he had just stayed healthy these two seasons, maybe I'd feel a lot differently. But, you know, the lack of finishing, the inconsistent shot, um, the lack of size, especially in comparison to someone like Garuba, who we're going to get to later. But, you know, like Jerry's wingspan is under 6'10". is at 7'2". So even though like neither of those guys feel like they're like super, they they, they have like great size, um, at least with Garuba you feel like, okay, he's going to make up for it in some way. Whereas JRE just really feels like he's in between positions and I just don't really know how to use him effectively yet. I was kind of hoping, you know, if they hadn't <laughs> collected all of these guys on the roster and they just gone into next season, I was kind of hopeful that, he would get an opportunity and not just hopeful i was kind of expecting him to get an opportunity now that chet is there cuz i did feel like jerry over these last 2 years has been played out of position in that center small ball center role a little too often and i just wanted to see what it looked like when he would be the fifth option on a in a lineup with chet as that rim protector that was just never there when JRE was on the floor, floor previously. And maybe that would able to hide some of his deficiencies and allow the good aspects of his defense to shine through a little bit more. Um, now that they've added all these guys, though, it it just feels like a really tough hill to climb for him. That said, if they did decide to keep him, I would go back to the way I felt, which is that I absolutely believe and I would expect that he would get minutes out of the gate, um, going into next season because they, I mean, they, he started a ton of games as a rookie. He started games as a sophomore. Um, he was supposed to start the summer league game before he got hurt. I I really do think they believe in him, and I think they like, or they at least want to see that pairing with Chet. And so if they did keep him, I would understand it from that perspective. Like, okay, they, they just want to give this one more shot. Let's just see how it looks with Chet. If he can't fix the finishing, if the shot never comes through, we'll move on from him. But that, if they did keep him, it would make me feel like, okay, we believe in him enough to give him one last shot, and, and let's see what it looks like with Chet.
0: I agree. I think with JRE, he's good at a lot of things. He's not great at particular anything. And with the NBA guys, as I mentioned like whenever I sent you the rundown, is, what is your NBA skill? And I think he moves pretty well as a big on the perimeter, but it's not something where it just like jumps off the page at you. And then what you mentioned about Chet, I remember going last year, and maybe this was just me being stupid, but I thought that other people felt this way, too, of that he was kind of penciled in to be the four next to Chet before Chet got injured.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I totally thought that. Um, and, and for a good reason. I mean, they they start him in a, t- a ton of games as a rookie. And so he was coming in and battling J-Will, we we assumed at that time. Like, we weren't really thinking about J-Dub as a starting power forward. Um, So we were thinking, you know, JRE versus Poku versus J-Will. And it kind of felt, to me at least, that JRE, if healthy, and if Chet was healthy, was just going to be kind of like the default choice. When Chet got hurt, it kind of felt like everything was thrown out the window. And now all of a sudden, JRE's playing more small ball center again um, in these lineups that don't really favor him. And so... Yeah, I I wouldn't be shocked if they kept him, but of all the names we're going to talk about other than maybe like Ty Ty and Jack White, those would probably be the guys I'd be like least surprised by. Um but but Jerry would kind of be in that like middle range. I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't make it. And I I think of the guys who we've watched the last 2 years, he would be he feels like the most likely to be cut.
0: It just feels like he missed his window, like just with the injuries that he just kind of got Wally pipped in a way by Jay Will, who just does a lot of similar things, but then also has other things that he just does plain just better than JRE.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and Jay Will I mean, yeah, like the passing. Like Jay Will is a superior passer. Um Jay Will, I mean, I don't know if I still don't know if I buy his shot. Not me but, either. No. <laughs> I mean, he shot 41% from three last year, so like what am I supposed to do with that? You know? Um, yeah, it, it's hard to find like I do think Jerry moves better defensively, like especially if he you know gets switched out onto the perimeter. Mm-hmm. um I think he's better at that, but otherwise, like Jay will really does offer a lot more. he offers a lot more versatility offensively um and then defensively, like he does have that that skill he has an elite skill, which is <laughs> drawing charges, and I don't know if you can necessarily say Jerry has an elite defensive skill, even though there are some like really nice aspects to his defensive game.
0: And then Jay will just also has the gift of energy that it's just contagious, just how he plays defensively. Yeah, for sure. And I think yeah, that yeah. that's something he has over J-R-E as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jay will seems like the greatest guy to hang out with. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's really no one that's like a bad culture guy on the Thunder, um, but Jay will seems like the ultimate uh, culture guy.
0: Definitely. Well, we mentioned Grubin passing Usman Gruba. What are your initial thoughts on him? A guy who was kind of hidden with the Rockets the last couple of years, didn't get a lot of opportunities, but now finds himself in a training camp battle with the Thunder.
1: Yeah. I mean, full transparency. And I feel this uh, probably about most people. Like we, we haven't watched a lot of yeah. Gruba. Um, so we're, I'm having to base my opinions on one, going back and reading old scouting reports from that draft. Um, because I remember like Sam Vecini liking him. Um, uh, Coach Spins really liked him, and then I've been reading like season reviews from some of the Houston blogs. Um, probably the most interesting thing that I read was actually a review of his games playing for Spain last year in EuroBasket, um, which they won, and he didn't. You look at his like. Based at, I think he had like, he averaged five and four. He only played like 17 minutes a game, but he played in nine games. But also in those games, he averaged two and a half assists per game to only 0.8 turnovers, um, really showcasing like this short roll passing and just being a very good decision maker. That's the kind of stuff that you didn't necessarily hear a bunch uh, coming, you know, out of his time in Houston, um, probably mostly because he just didn't get a ton of minutes. But that's, those are the things that, get me excited and make me feel like, oh, maybe he would be a really good fit with the Thunder team. Because defensively, I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, he's very physical. Um, I mentioned the 7'2 wingspan. He hasn't been a amazing rim protector so far in the NBA. But going back and reading some of the scouting reports, people were pretty uh, positive on his potential as like a secondary rim protector. Um, and, and you watch some of the highlights, like I was watching the coach spins uh, highlight breakdown a lot of those plays are him like chasing down guys on the fast break and getting blocks in transition around the basket and so i think with the physicality the passing on offense and then the potential to shoot again similar to Jay will i like don't believe the 40 percent from three but on the other hand like he comes into okc at least you have something to build on and you have chip england and so I'm kind of the point where I'm getting like a little excited about Garuba. I don't know if I should be, but I'm getting excited about Garuba and I kind of hope they do keep him. Um, And and I wouldn't be surprised if we hear good things about him coming out of training camp. And I think actually he's playing uh, coming up, right? I think so. Yeah. So I'm, you know, obviously I was excited about all these other Thunder guys. But once I, oh, it was from that article today. Did you see that article today? It was written, I mean, it was in Spanish. I did not uh, so know. <laughs> translate it. Um, oh, man, let me go find it as we're talking, because he they actually asked him about uh, the Thunder, and he gave a quote about it. Okay, cool. Um, okay, let's see what this says. Uh, so this is from Thundermania BR. That's the, the Twitter handle. So this is from a newspaper in Spain. He confirmed that he has had contact with Sam Presti and Mark Dagnall in recent weeks. He revealed that he had a preference for being drafted by the Thunder at the time. Um, he understands that he can be better utilized in Oklahoma, especially for the team's system. And then there was another—I uh, don't know if it was, it was a, a quote. It, it was something where, like, Mark and Presti had told him, like, they don't—they didn't think that. Oh, yeah, the staff told him talking about the Thunder staff. Told him that they trust him a lot and don't believe he was in the right place in Houston, which he agrees with. So that that was just that just came out today in you know the Spanish newspaper in preparation. Um, so I, I don't know that like that kind of got me excited. He seems to be excited about the potential of playing in Oklahoma City and seems to recognize that the uh, offensive system, especially, might be better suited towards his skills. So, yeah, I'm I'm like really excited to watch him play here. And I I know he's not going to get like a ton of minutes, um, but I'm really excited to watch him play now and kind of have a feeling that by the time we get to like September, because I'm assuming they're taking all these guys into training camp. I have a feeling that by September, like Thunder fans will be uh, Garuba-pilled. Everyone will be down with Garuba and want the Thunder to keep him. That, that that's my that's my late summer prediction when nothing else is going on.
0: We'll put that up on the board, but the way you're talking yeah. about him and the the passing if it does l- look that way at the NBA level with the Thunder, I mean this is a guy that Mark is just going to love and he's going to give a lot of minutes to, not like a lot, but like a lot in terms of a guy late in the rotation on the roster. He had some Eugene kind of comps that reminded me of that just as like a bruiser who plays with a lot of physicality, but like you mentioned, the difference between Houston and the Thunder, the guys he's going to be playing with, like, he basically got buried on the bench because you can't play Shingoon and him together. That's just negative, negative, negative spacing. But if you play him on the Thunder, like, in the same way that we're talking about Jerry and Chet, you could do that same lineup and have just a little bit more explosiveness from Garuba. And then offensively, this is, like, he's not a huge guy. He's, like, What like six, six, seven foot two wingspan, but I think he still does have some of the rim rolling stuff that we wanted to see with guys like Josh for a while.
1: Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to get a little excited. I mean, I know I shouldn't because I'm talking about a guy who you know averaged three and four uh, last year in twelve minutes a game on a team that you know was terrible. And so you would have liked to see him get more minutes, and and he didn't even play. I mean, they had a G League team. I was looking at his G League stats. He only played five G League games over these past two seasons, which seems crazy to me. I mean, he did play in seventy-five games for the Rockets last year, but I don't know. I, I was I was hoping to get just more data for him when I started digging in, and there's just like not a ton there yet. Um, so yeah, so I, I don't know. We'll see how he plays in a couple of weeks coming up for Spain. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of high on Garuba now, where I I. I like, of all, all the names that we're going to talk about today, he might be, like, my first choice. And part of that, it's not that I, like, think he's better than Trey Mann, but part of that comes down to a path to minutes. And I do think his path to minutes is clearer to me than Trey Mann's path to minutes. If Trey could play, like, on the wing, um, like, if if he was just bigger, like, maybe I'd be able to buy into it more because you'd feel like there'd be more upside there. Um, but him being that small kind of combo guard – I just, I, I just don't see it. Whereas with Garuba, you know, you look at our power forward options. After you get J-Dub, it's just like a bunch of guys. Like, who who knows? Like, it could be Poku. Like, it could be J-Will. Uh, maybe they'll keep Jerry. Like So, I, I don't know. I, I think there is a path for him to get some of those forward minutes on this team. And then, you know, maybe even getting some small ball five minutes as well. I told you for this exercise
0: to sell me on these guys. You're selling me. Right now on Gruba, I'm I'm falling into the the sandpit trap that you're laying here of like <laughs> believing in Gruba, but let's get into Ty Ty Washington, another Rockets guy. But it didn't sound like you were as high on him as Gruba. I'm interested, just kind of in the comparisons of Trey Man to Ty Ty.
1: Yeah, I mean that would it, it would kind of shock me if they kept Ty, Ty. Um not because I don't think he can has talent and can and can be a good player at some point but for them to choose him over someone like trey Mann, um who they know and have already worked with um so now you're choosing someone who like you don't really know a ton about and he doesn't really have a clear path to minutes i don't know i mean he he would if he was on the team i guess like if they did keep him my thought would be okay they're gonna let this guy like run their G League team. Like he is going to be down with the blue the whole season. He's going to get a ton of minutes and they're going to continue to develop him, which is what Houston did last year as well. Um, and he played really well in the G League. But yeah, like comparing him to Trey, so I'm just looking at their um, their measure measurements uh, from the combine. So tie tie without shoes, uh 6'2 and a quarter with a 6'8 wingspan. Trey Mann was 6'3 and a quarter with a six4 wingspan. Um, so I, I didn't realize that about Trey. Trey's kind of like a a not a negative wingspan but like a zero wingspan. Uh, whereas Ty Ty does have he it looks like he's like a plus f- almost like a plus six. Um, so you know that I mean that's interesting. like if if we were if it was two years ago, I'd be like thrilled. I'd be super pumped to get someone like Ty Ty Washington because he absolutely feels like the kind of guy on a newly rebuilding team that you just want to throw out there and play 30 minutes a night and just see what you got. Um, it just doesn't feel like that's there's any chance of that happening in OKC. So I don't even know what the scenario would be. I mean, I, I, I mentioned that like Trey would have to come into training camp and just blow the doors off. Um, I feel like TyTy would have to do that to an even bigger degree um, because it would be their first time seeing him. So, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like that one, may, maybe even more than Jack White, would probably be like the most surprising to me. But you would justify it simply from like they must see a ton of upside here. The ceiling is really high. Oh, it's the Kentucky guard thing. He was a former first round pick. Like he, it's only his second year. Like yeah, uh, I, I guess that would be the selling point. But it would it would still shock me. I'm going to attempt to sell you on it, even
0: if I maybe don't believe in it. Yeah, but we'll, we'll see what I can do. Um, mainly with Ty Ty. I think one of the things is that you could just let him run the G League team. This is assuming that you trade Trey. Maybe you add some extra assets, but you already have these guys in front of him. Like we mentioned, Kacen, Shea, Giddy, J-Dub, uh, Michich, others who are going to handle the ball. And I think this would be more likely, like you mentioned on a team earlier in the rebuild, like if he was in that tail Mal- uh, Maladon spot a few years ago.
1: Oh gosh, yeah, but yeah, he just he
0: just got buried. He playing behind guys like KPJ, Trevor Hudgens, and Dacian Nix. Um, he played 433 total minutes in his first year in the NBA. For reference, that's basically um, Shea could do that in 12 games. So he j- he just yeah. didn't play yeah. hardly at all. And um, these Kentucky guys, they normally don't suck especially first-round guards. So I guess the only feeling is that you go, we don't think he's going to be a star, but we think that he has a chance to be a nice backup point guard, and we can develop him over time, and maybe he's Mecic insurance if you end up moving on from him if he decides this is not where he wants to play.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about guys who, you know, you know, like the idea that, okay, so he's eventually going to let go of a guy who's going to flourish somewhere else. I could totally see that with Ty. Uh, I mean, just looking at his G league stats and he only played five games down there, but you know, getting to the line a ton, taking a ton of threes, you know, 37 and seven, like there's clearly something there. Um, and I, I feel if it just feels like there's a glut of guards around the league right now. Um, and because everyone, at least this is the way it feels right now in the preseason, everyone feels so competitive in a way that they haven't for several years. I mean, for the last couple of years, you could always say Orlando, Detroit, Houston, OKC, like those four teams are definitely going to suck. There's probably going to be a fifth team that gets super injured, and then there's going to be like a sixth team that's a surprise. Like last year, Charlotte being terrible. Um, like usually you can pinpoint like four to five teams that are just going to be awful that you could find a spot for these guys. And I just don't feel like they're there because a team like Detroit that I'm not super high on, they have a ton of guards that they're still trying to develop. Um, like who who are gonna be the other bad teams? Like maybe the Spurs are a team that should try to get one of these young guards because they really have Trey Jones and then they just have like a bunch of random guys behind him. They don't have like an obvious backup point guard, even though they have a lot of guys like Sohan and, and City Sissoko who you think could handle a little bit. Um, but yeah, maybe the Spurs would be an option for one of these guys. But yeah, looking across the league, like who, who is the definitely bad team that could use a guard and doesn't already have like a decent option? I If I was another team, like I would want to take a shot on Ty Ty. Um, I would want to take a shot on Trey Mann, but uh, I don't know who those teams are. Like even a team like Toronto, I feel like Toronto's team, you know, they lost Fred Van Vliet. They brought in Dennis Schroeder. He doesn't feel like he's going to be a long-term fix for anything. Um, they feel like a team who should be taking a stab at one of these guards. But at the same time, like they're a team that is not tanking, or at least not outwardly. Like they are still got Siakam and Ananobi, and it seems like they're going for the playoffs again. So would those guy would, would Ty Ty get minutes there? I don't know. So yeah, it, it, it's really tough, but I I do think there is talent there, like you said. And uh, similar to Trey Mann, it's hard for me to... The, the thing with Ty Ty and Trey man for me is like, I don't know as much about Ty Ty. So I'm more drawn to that. Cause like, Oh my gosh, he could be anything. Cause I haven't really watched him in the NBA yet. Whereas Trey, I've seen the downside. So like, it's easier for me to imagine a scenario where he got, you know, where he doesn't work out in the NBA. So like, if they did keep Ty Ty, a part of me would be excited just because it's like a new thing like oh man what if what if he is awesome what if this kentucky guard thing is real you know um but i fully expect him to not be on the thunder
0: just hoping they keep at least one houston guy and it really works out just for rockets fans really
1: hey that'd be fine with me and uh put me down for garuba
0: i appreciate it yeah um The teams that you mentioned, like San Antonio and Toronto, I was just thinking about that as the words were coming out of your mouth. And then another point that you made that I wanted to piggyback on is about the glut of guards in the league. It felt like, you know, with the Roy Hibbert generation of centers, it was centers were kind of valued like running backs in the NFL. And it feels like now that's shifted to like the combo guards where it's either you're cream of the crop top guy or you're just very replaceable as like the Lou Williams, Cole Anthony, Trey Mann type of guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're seeing it right now with Tyler Hero. Like, There's this idea that there's all these teams out there that are willing to offer a first for Tyler Hero, but if that was a good first, that deal probably already would have been done. I just feel like teams think these guys are going to be easier to find moving forward, and they're not placing a ton of value on them. I mean, Anthony Simons is someone who I really like, but you just don't hear a lot about it. And there's another team. Like, okay, there's a team that's probably going to be terrible this year. Definitely don't need another guard. No. Like they have plenty. So yeah, it, it does feel like there's a glut of these type of guards around the league, and you kind of have to have something else. Like like if Trey or Ty Ty Washington were seen as like these defensive aces as well, well then we'd be talking probably totally different about them. Um, but instead, we're trying to hope that they kind of have this like Tyrese Maxey kind of growth and. Tyrese Maxey becoming that kind of player f- from his like mold is very rare. That doesn't usually happen. If, if, if that happened, he would have been taken way higher in that draft. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. There's just like a ton of these guys, and that's why I don't think OKC is going to prioritize it, especially for a team that already has guards.
0: Exactly. One guy who was a two-way guard in his prime before a lot of the injuries kind of robbed him of uh, his skill, Victor Oladipo returning to Oklahoma City. Did you have a big return party for Victor Oladipo at your house?
1: Uh, I did not. I mean, I didn't have super fond memories of uh, Oladipo that season because as fun as that season was, it was kind of all about Russ. And actually, like, the downer part of that season was like, hey, why won't you ever try Victor Oladipo as our backup point guard? Just maybe once. Just once in the playoffs. Just stop playing Samaj. And so they're – I associate Oladipo with, like, frustration. Um, And it it didn't surprise me when he left and then he, like, blew up because we felt like there was a player like that in there. Mm -hmm. But he just... That role in OKC just never really fully worked um, the way we thought it was going to. So, uh, you know, in terms of keeping him or not, I I don't even think about his on-court basketball activity at all. It's more just about... A, a nine million, nine and a half million dollar expiring contract, which other than Bertans is the biggest contract of any of the ones that we're talking about. So maybe that offers you a little bit of flexibility. Um, it, it kind of feels like if they. I, I, I kind of agree with people that they're probably not going to keep both Bertans and Oladipo um, to just have both of these kind of dead money spots. I personally wouldn't mind it. Um, because it would mean Mark would have less guys to take minutes from the guys I want to see play more minutes. Uh, so I wouldn't mind it personally. But th- that would kind of surprise me the more I thought think about it if they kept both Bertons and Oladipo. I still think they could move his contract um, to a team who's trying to get off money that goes into next year. I mentioned someone like Larry Nance Jr., although New Orleans probably wouldn't do that deal until the trade deadline if, if, if things aren't going well. Um, but there's a few other guys that are kind of in that range that could potentially make sense for another team where they would be giving OKC some type of draft asset. But it is probably a very slim scenario. And so I understand the argument that why not just take another one of these young guys and and just see what happens. Um, but that would be the pitch that nine and a half million dollar expiring contract. Maybe something will happen.
0: Yeah, I like the expiring money. If you combine his money with Bertons, you're getting around twenty-five million. So you could move it for like an actual salary, whether it's I don't think it'd be a player that actually helps you, but it's just the revolving door of assets that Pristy's done where he just like flips a guy for another guy, adds some picks, that guy expires, next guy, whatever. Oladipo yeah. also I I agree with you about the idea of having them just camped on the bench and mark has less options to play although he's going to play as many guys as possible he's going to spin like a wheel and that's how he manages his rotations but i think oladipo also just as a veteran which this is me just trying to sell it as much as i can here silver lining but as a veteran the locker room he has something different from kinrich as a guy who's actually really accomplished something as an individual player as an all nba player as an all-star and i think that would be good for the growth of a lot of these other guys on the roster like him talking to say a Trey man because people forget Oladipo whenever he was moved in that magic deal to the thunder, he was kind of like, a you know, it was the thunder buying low on him at the time. And he really turned his career around in Indiana.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think that's, that's as good of an argument for old depot as any other, um, because that that would be unique. You know, it would be kind of having like another veteran, but a veteran that's reached really high levels within the league. Uh, which we really haven't had since, uh, I guess, Melo, although Melo still felt like he was you know, in the middle of his career when he was in OKC. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, none of these would shock me. Like None of these would shock me if they kept any of these guys. Um, but I would probably agree with the consensus that Old Depot's further down that list.
0: I'm glad we got to have a reference of Samaj, a.k.a. Backwards James
1: yeah now i I do want to say though you talk about combining their contracts potentially moving on for a bigger contract i like i wouldn't do it just for a regular old first like you just got like a lottery protected first at the end of the day that wouldn't excite me or or even just like keeping old depot and flipping him for like a couple seconds which you already got a couple seconds for taking him on the only deal that really interests me is if they swung a deal for ben simmons and got one of those unprotected phoenix picks that's that's really the only scenario that i would get really excited about um not because of anything with ben, ben yeah. simmons i wouldn't expect him to play um but yeah i think those phoenix picks are like gold and if you can go get them and that's why like right now when heat fans are complaining because like hey our offer is actually really good it's way better than brooklyn's It's like no it's not like any one of those Phoenix picks that Brooklyn has, I would take over any of those Miami picks. Like you could give me three of those Miami picks and I would want one of those Phoenix picks. Um, so I, I really like those picks. That's really the only scenario that I would get excited about though, in terms of flipping these contracts.
0: I like that too. I wonder if they would just send Simmons home. They're not, I don't think they'd do another buyout where they just give a guy a bunch of money to leave. And then I mentioned this to Joe when we were talking about it, when he mentioned Ben Simmons is, The Thunder, I'm looking back at the Celtics for a lot of years when they were trying to make all those trades for stars and they just didn't have any mid-level salaries or salaries they wanted to give up. If you can just have dead money of Ben Simmons and he's on an expiring and then that's when you can flip just draft assets and maybe a younger player on a rookie deal and that is your star trade, I think that at least gives you another option.
1: Yeah, it would definitely give you flexibility. And I mean, the nice thing about his contract is that it ends... Not this coming year, but the year after. So it's not going to interfere with whatever the next big contract is, which likely is going to be Giddy, um, which wouldn't hit for you know another two years. So
0: one Aussie to another, Jack White. Jack White is the one I've had the most difficulty with.
1: Yeah, there's really, I mean, he would just have to be good, and I don't know what I would be basing that on right now. I mean, he's going to be 26 in 4 days happy birthday to Jack White. He's going to be 26. Like he is 4 years older than Trey Mann. Uh I I don't know what he could possibly do based on what I know about him in training camp where he would be the the pick. Um but it is there's so much intrigue there simply because they made the deal and they specifically gave him a deal that is too large for them to then convert him into a two way. So I just, like I don't know what the story I like. I'd probably drive myself insane the way I did with the Gabriel deck contract where like, I will try to make sense of that for the rest of my life and never really understand it. And I feel like that's where I'm getting with the Jack white contract. Like what is going on? Like, what do they see in him? Like, what, what is this? Like if, if they really liked him, Like, you would either give him this contract or you would just give him a smaller one so that you could at least have the opportunity to bring him back on a two way, which he was on a two way last year with Denver. So, the fact that they didn't, they they kind of like removed one of those options, I just find it all very strange. Uh, I, you know, I don't know enough about the background deals to know if like this is a favor to an agent or something, or like there's something about his game that they, really want to explore in, like, a couple weeks during training camp? I don't know. I I, I cannot figure out the Jack White thing yet. It's a money laundering scheme. No, I, I don't know. It's just <laughs>
0: there. there's no... I'm trying to understand it, too. So, like, whenever he signed with the Thunder, I did some research with Joe, and I only found one scouting report for him, and it was done by, like, somebody who was a Duke student on their uh, journalism staff, and it was basically yeah. a page that said... None of us ever expected Jack White to go to the NBA and we're not really sure what's happening. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's okay. not a great
1: scouting report. So that was, I just read that when I was doing research for this pod. I found that one. And yeah, it was like a, a Duke person mm-hmm. being like, well, he signed a two-way deal with Denver. Uh, didn't see this coming. Uh, good for him. We're happy for him. <laughs> yeah, so I don't get it. I don't know how I could get it. There's just like... There's zero information for me to base this on. Um, I mean, he played, how many total minutes? He played 66 minutes for Denver. And did he even, they don't have a G League team, do they? Um, I think they might have one now. They were one of the
0: last teams to get one. I think it was like them, Phoenix, and uh, Portland. Let me see.
1: Oh, okay. So he, he did play 15 games in the G, G League, average 20 and 9. But of course he's doing this as a 25 year old. Yeah. So like am I am I supposed to be excited about this? Stats look good. But yeah, I don't know. I there's there is a part of me, like deep down in my soul, that thinks he's going to be one of the guys they keep. Um and I can't shake it. But it was it would honestly be the only thing that would make sense to me. Like them just bring him into training camp and then cutting him, and you then can't bring him on a two way, like that's more confusing to me even though in the grand scheme of things it would make me feel better because I like some of these other guys that we've been talking about. But, yeah, I'm trying to prepare myself for the possibility of the Jack White era starting in OKC on a guaranteed contract because I just don't know how else to explain this.
0: If he stays on the team, I'm already going to be preemptively mad about Mark playing him over Aaron Wiggins.
1: Yeah, he definitely would. He definitely would play him. Uh, Aaron Wiggins would have DNPs because of Jack White Knights.
0: I know you and I are two of the biggest proponents of Aaron Wiggins out there. Luckily, we didn't have to discuss him on this. It would have been very short. Aaron Wiggins is really good. He makes winning plays. Keep him.
1: I mean, the other thing I've been thinking about is have we been too focused on this narrow crop of guys? And is there a possibility they're going to do something that's going to surprise us? Uh, Because I remember last year, obviously much lower stakes, but we spent the whole off season talking about which of these guys they're going to cut or not. And then they just trade them all in one big trade. Just get rid of all of them. And uh, there, there's a part of me that's like, is Poku safe? Is Aaron Wiggins safe? Are we sure? I want to be sure. I think I should be sure, but why like, should I be that sure? And uh, there's a part of me that's worried about that as well. Last question um, for you. That would you know. make me go crazy.
0: Last if, question before yeah. we get out of here. I wanted to know. Yeah. You mentioned Poku. What is the number yeah. one Poku destination if he were moved? If it was just in your head, where could Poku go where it would be the most fun on the league pass?
1: Oh my god, uh, Poku. Where would Poku be good? I mean, the Spurs uh, backup for him and Wemby. Get some minutes with Wemby. Uh, kind of, kind of. if if they did move on from allowing us to finally see what a Poku Chet frontline would have potentially looked like. Uh, I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, you know, obviously obvious connection in Washington. I I wouldn't, I I think he'd at least get some minutes there, get allow, get a chance to develop, um, Charlotte, you know, in that case, like who knows what's going on with PJ Washington. It doesn't seem like they're committed to him long term, And I think they're going to be terrible next year. And so he'd probably get an opportunity there. I mean, I'm really just looking at teams where he could get an opportunity. I, uh, I'm i trying to think when Troy Weaver left. I guess he had already gone by the I think Poku he made draft. the Killian Hayes pick in that draft. Yeah, that was the same draft. Okay. I was trying to think, like, maybe Troy Weaver was involved in the Poku pick and would like him. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough with Poku. You really need a... A loving fan base. You need a fan base that's going to accept Poku for who he is. And you need a team that's going to accentuate the things that he does do well. Like, I, I do think Oklahoma City's system is does fit really well with the with Poku's strength. Um, and that's why I immediately thought of a team like the Spurs. Um, because I, I do think he could fit in well with a team like the Spurs. And they're probably not going to be good next year. And so maybe he would get minutes. Uh, But a lot of these teams, I feel like he would just disappear off the face of the earth, and we would never hear from him again, which would be sad.
0: Exactly. Just pure entertainment value. Him with the Warriors with Draymond would be hilarious, or him and LeBron trying to understand what Poku is thinking would just be insanely funny to me, but 0% chance that
1: happens. Yeah, I mean, there is part of, like, thinking about Poku on another team, there is part of it where it's just like, what would be the funniest fan base to watch go through the Poku experience? And the Warrior fan, the Warriors fan base, who've had like all these dynasty years and all these old guys on their roster, like adjusting to Poku, like I think they would absolutely fall in love with him. Um, because I remember the guy, uh, I forget, what was his name. It wasn't Samanich, was it? That was the that was the. I think that's a different no guy. luka samanich is the is the spurs guy who's the guy that like joe Lacob found overseas and thought he was gonna be like the next big thing like gonna be the next Giannis? i forget the guys oh Sm- Smilagic. oh yeah Smilagic. <laughs> yeah and like you know for a short period until they realized how terrible he was uh warriors fans were like on that bandwagon so i think they would enjoy poku and uh they have a bit, very large presence on Twitter, so you would hear a, a lot about Poku.
0: A lineup of Poku, Draymond, Clay, Steph, and Chris Paul would be unreal.
1: A lot of, a lot of high IQ uh, decision makers, I would say.
0: Absolutely. Well, Alex, I've used up en- uh, enough of your time here. Thank you so much for coming on. Do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Uh, When are you releasing this? This will be on Friday after you guys are done.
1: After we're done. Okay. Well, I just learned that we're not coming back for Saturday Slam and Jam until the 18th of August, for whatever reason. Uh, so um, I guess listen to me on the 18th. We, we're, we are thinking about doing an expansion draft, but with like uh, beat writers. So that would be fun, allowing them to protect their players. So we might do something like that. We're also going to do a draft uh, guys who we think are going to be first time all stars this year, which I think we have a very good crop of guys this year. So, yeah, that'll be coming up later in August. Oh, and we're going to do a Deborah Bucket's Trivia Hour. I don't know when, but coming up in the next couple of weeks, we have two seasons to go through, including the, uh, who would it have been? Oh, the Chet season, when they got Chet. Um, so, yeah, that'll be fun as well.
0: I'll be filling my uh, answer sheet out and hopefully get a decent grade on that. Always enjoy you guys on Slam and Jam. I met Josh Robbins at one of the games. I was like, I have to meet this oh, really? guy now. yeah. Oh, nice. He acted like, it's like, I don't know why everyone likes me so much for this podcast, and I'm just walking up to him like, you are incredible on and Jeff.
1: Yeah, I haven't told him, but he probably is our most divisive guest. People either absolutely love Josh or they completely despise those episodes, which always makes me laugh.
0: Well, hopefully we don't have anybody that polarized about this episode, but... Alex, thank you so much for coming on with me. Thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, at ThunderBudPod on Twitter. And we will be back again on Tuesday for more Thunder Talk.